Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Indie Flicks with Miranda and Donnie. I know we took the past two weeks off. Um, Miranda was doing a lot of traveling and she was book busy. Um, <laughs> I've also been doing a lot of stuff with radio and stuff like that. But um, it, it's not supposed to be like something set in stone. We're just two friends who like to get together and talk about our house films, some iconic, some not. And we like it that way. Yes, exactly. Because it gives us both the flexibility with our crazy lives and our crazy Right, schedules. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the film that we decided uh, was Palo Alto. Uh, Miranda, you want to give a synopsis of what that entails? Yeah, so Palo Alto, so just for a little bit of background, so James Franco wrote these short stories that were like loosely connected, not totally all connected in I think 2010, and he titled the book Palo Alto, so it was a novella made up of these uh, short stories, and then Gia Coppola, who is um, related to Francis Coppola and Sofia Coppola, you know, the famous directing family, um, did this as her debut film essentially. And it kind of gives those short stories a narrative shape. So we follow uh, April, Jack, and Teddy, I believe. Yes. Yep. And essentially, it's just three teenagers living in Palo Alto, California. And, kinda... and Fred. Fred, obviously. Um... Yes, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Coach B, Mr. B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James Franco. Um, a, a, a guy that... We'll get into what... He entails because he is one of my favorite artists. Um, he's a poet. Um, I, I should mention that I have the book of Palo Alto. Um, I also have a few of his other books. Um, I, I will say, I'm not sure if Palo Alto is his first book, but as I was reading it last night after finished watching the movie, I noticed that there's a lot of errors in the book. Mm-hmm. Like we a know, lot of misspelled words, um, run-on sentences, incomplete sentences. Something, some things don't like. I don't know. It seems like he just wrote it down. He's. It seems like what I do. Like I just jot it down and just pass it off to my editor and just yeah, you deal with that. Like stream of consciousness. I do know. So I remember this from college. I was an English major in college, and we read the book As I Lay Dying, which is a really famous um, like stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Faulkner book right and they said this book is unfilmable like that's what people always said you can't turn this into a movie you know who had actually bought the rights and I don't think they made a movie of it yet or if they did it was like experimental but it was James Franco oh who bought those rights so I do think he is a fan and yeah you can see it in his own style of that like stream of consciousness like you said skipping over words maybe misspelling words or just like writing down things the way you think them Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's something that I do, like I said, but I, I think I'm just using it as a cover to say, like, I don't know how to um, do an outline or anything like that. Like, when's the last time you did an outline for an article? Um, probably in college, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they, they say, oh, before you like write, like you should do an outline, know what you want to say. Me, I don't write like that. I I literally just write what's on the page and just like it, it just free flows and that's how I wrote my first screenplay I was like I was locked in my room for two months just like going to work and then coming home and just 
writing and just scribbling down and stuff like that. And ultimately, I lost it, which fucking sucks. <laughs> I was deleting stuff on my laptop, and it just so happened to be one of it, but... I don't know. That does suck because you can't you can't recreate that, and in it a way, was... that's kind of like what this movie feels like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because this movie, like when you're watching it, it it doesn't have the most tight like uh like plot. Yeah, not in mm-hmm. a bad way, but in the way of like all these characters, you you kind of see these moments, and it doesn't have a really big like narrative shape. It's kind of more just like a study in like scenes of being a teenager or scenes of yeah, like it's being... like various like clips like placed together exactly but yeah. it like loosely tells the story that's i i guess he did that main so because of like the the book and stuff like that but yeah you're mm-hmm. right it just like it was all over the place um and the guy who played Fred, Nat Wolf, um, I'm not sure if you know this. I I mean, I, I think I'm like two years older than you, I think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, two years old. So it's around the same time. Do you remember that show, The Naked Brothers Band? Oh, do I? Yeah. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nat Wolf and his brother, right? Yeah, exactly. The The twins, I believe they were. Or they weren't. I think they were just brothers. But yeah, so he plays Fred, um, the the wild, sometimes dangerous uh, teenager to uh, the lighthearted and more down earth Teddy, played by Jack Kilmer. So it it was definitely interesting to see that aspect of it, um, but in turn. Like, the whole film itself. Like, what did you think? So, I liked it. I don't know if I'm biased, because I also really like Emma Roberts. Mm. Um, and I really thought her performance in this was actually, like, really good and really honest. And I think sometimes she gets pegged into, like, I'm a big American Horror Story fan. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, she gets pegged into, like, the bitch girl role. Like, the blonde, pretty, like, mean girl. You know? And, like, in this, right, she's, right. she's kind of, like, a more relatable, like, subdued character. And she's, like, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, but she's very relatable just as, like, a teenage girl or, like, you know, as, like, a young woman, like, coming into, like, her sexuality and maturity. So I actually, I, I really resonated with her. And then overall, I really liked it. It's, like, the the banter between Fred and Teddy was, like, fun and, like, sometimes, and then sometimes they got, like, real, you know? Yeah. So, like, that was relatable. And then I think Emma Roberts, for me, ultimately was, like, super relatable for, like, growing up as, like, a young woman in this day and age and just, like, the feelings you deal with. Um, so I actually really enjoyed this. I don't know. I, I, I gotta say, um, it's... The film is... I don't know. Maybe it relates to you more than to me. Um I, I found Emma Roberts' character to be, and maybe this was intentional, but I, I found her to be like, I don't know, cringe or like, mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, she was on the screen, and it's just like, it, I don't know. It just made me cringe a little bit. No, I, I think that's totally fair because I think, like, especially the like vying for the attention that you get into of Mr. B. Mm-hmm. and her and their kind of relationship and you know he has kids like you know he has a family like that's revealed at one point and just the way she kind of just 
believes him especially when he starts telling her like he has like these legitimate feelings for her like you do kind of feel like oh she's like a sucker almost right yeah 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 that's that's how i felt um it i'm not sure why he picked this story out of um all of them in a book to be the centerpiece Mm -hmm. um i i prefer the story more of the car crash and the accident and stuff like that i think that should have been more focal but um yeah i agree I, and and i think especially you know like all respect to james franco as an artist it, it's what i was telling you just before we we hopped on this podcast sort of like knowing what we all kind of know now oh, about God. james franco <laughs> yeah. too, right uh, culturally it kind of is like oh why this story you know? yeah so yeah let's get into like james franco and his art art and just like the way he moves throughout life so mm-hmm. what, what usually when i mention like james franco being like an inspiration um for my art i'm usually met with like these oh but do you know what he did and stuff like that um mm-hmm. it, it was what like a couple of years ago where he was sexting or supposedly sexting a 17 year old scottish girl outside of a broadway play yeah and something like that and he was confronted on Howard Stern about it and people assumed that it was promotion for the film and I, I, I'm i not sure if this is now but during that time the legal age of consent was um, 17 in New York um, I'm not sure if that is now it still doesn't make it right I mean mm-hmm. the, if you're using that as your defense but I don't know. He he is a guy that has a checkered past. Yeah. But to be fair, I I say this all the time, right? I have David Bowie tattooed on me, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind yep. of like any human being that's an artist, you're going to run into those sort of sticky situation things. Yeah. You yep. know? And so so I feel you. It's kind of like you can you you have him as like this inspiration as an artist, and it's like when you follow a human being, sometimes these these bad things come out right but his art can still be like deeply and greatly inspirational to you because like i mean clearly like this film i think is pretty beautiful like i think a lot of his short stories are really beautiful yeah so it's like one of those things you know it's like oh man that sucks but like if you can separate the art out from like the the actions of the person i'll say yeah i i I think that's a great way to look at it and that's always what i tried to do i um did that with the r kelly thing and Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing that with uh, and I take a big sigh in this um, the Kanye West tobacco and stuff oh, like that uh, same <laughs> I love him to death but um, dude needs to get right but uh, back to James Franco <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it's definitely one of his weaker books and one of his weaker art films um Straight James, Gay James was a book I liked, um, directing Hubert White, Actors Anonymous. And then he made this really good book that, for the life of me, I don't think anybody owns. Um, it's called Flipside, Real and Imaginary Conversations with Lana Del Rey. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm frantically searching for this book. It's going to be like my lifelong goal. But apparently he like teamed up with Lana Del Rey and some of the conversations are real. And then like, 
they had like this will they won't they like type of fling good girl bad girl it, it was a whole oh. weird thing but it, it was it was interesting during that time he uh mentioned in a couple of poems throughout his books that he's like infatuated with lana del rey and stuff like that and yeah it's supposedly supposed to be a good book but um it's nowhere to be found got it no that's super interesting though i didn't know that and it kind of puts perspective on a lot of the stuff he does including the character he more or less kind of wrote for himself in this film and i think for me that's like what it ties back into like like the character he wrote for himself in this film it's kind of like was this just an exercise in him exercising like a like i don't know like like a I don't want to say like a fantasy character. How do I say this without it sounding um, <laughs> like an alter ego, almost? No, I I think you were right. Like a fantasy character. Like let's not beat around the bush. Like this is a like it's a it's a weird role for a guy of his stature to play. Yeah, knowing all the controversy surrounding you and stuff like that. Like I'm, I think the movie came out around. Maybe he used was using it as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? As a way to, I don't know, explain himself. Yeah, kind of. Perhaps like, I, I kind of feel that way, right? Because I feel like when you watch it, and and not to like ignore Fred and Teddy, because I think like you said, they're such an interesting part of the film, but they do kind of take a back seat to the story that is told between James Franco's character and Emma Roberts, because it is so, like, shocking. Right. Almost. Yeah, I, I think it, it would have done well without the the the, uh, the side stories. Like, just pick one and just be done with it. Like, it, like sometimes Nat Wolf's character, Fred, felt a little too forced. Or maybe a little too, like he was trying to compensate for not getting enough screen time. Yeah. Yeah, I think 100%. And I think too, like, yeah, like the kind of like puzzle piecing together of like the teenage, because I think overall, like this movie is like, okay, this is, you know, teenage experience or like loss of, to me, it strikes like loss of innocence experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, okay, what kinds of, like, losses of innocence when you're in that weird twilight period between, like, being a kid and being a grown-up, like, can we explore? Yeah, I mean... Right, and it's and it's kind of like they, they really dove headfirst into, like, one thing, and then the other ones kind of got, not, like, pushed to the back burner, but then, like you said, sometimes the other ones felt a little forced. So I get yeah. when you say, like, this is one of the weaker, like, James Franco films. It's like, I still liked it, but I also felt like in some places it was, like too vapid like it didn't have enough of like a storyline or like a you know right yeah it some of the characters fell a little flat and i think that was more so an underlying issue um obviously i'm sure you are aware that this film is loaded with nepotism oh yeah like just like loaded um like james franco is the brother of dave franco and um, the son of Betsy Franco. Then you have Margaret Qualley is the daughter of Andy McDowell and the sister yep. Rainy Qualley. And you oh, have and Jack Kilmer is his Jack uh, Kilmer Val is... Kilmer's son. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Julia Roberts. And just like, and then the whole tying piece together, you got Gina Coppola, and we already know that she's a uh, family you're part of. It. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm noticing a lot 
of mm-hmm. things like that happening in uh, media, um, like Euphoria. Aha, Judd Apatow's daughter in Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't think she can act that good. Um, another person I don't think she can act good is Sydney, but I feel like she forces it, and I think it works well, kind of. Mhm, mhm, totally. And I think in this movie, you you see a lot of that. I mean, like, not only is, like, Jack Kilmer in it, like, Val Kilmer, his dad, is in it for, like, yeah, kind of no reason. Like, it's just... <laughs> did they, like, just call up everybody that they knew together and just, like... It's like that almost... That's almost what it seems like, right? And it's, it's funny because Emma Roberts does so many American Horror Story seasons, too. And American Horror Story, you know, always uses, like, the same cast. And I love yeah. it, but it's also that, right? It's also like every year the director writes something and then every year he's like, okay, let me call Evan Peters, Sarah Paulson, and Emma Roberts and see if they want to be in this this year. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. And it's like, like how how can they sustain that like that goodness of it? Because I think I've only ever seen um, the second season of mm-hmm. American Art Story and then I saw like the seventh where it was like apocalypse or something like that, and a demon baby. I I, I like <laughs> ju- I like jumped around a lot. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's like, like how do you sustain that when you have such like a list actors like going off? True, and, and I think with this with this whole film in general, it's kind of like, sure, it's like it, it was good, and I actually and I liked it, and I found like you know some of the characters relatable and some of the mm-hmm. situations relatable, but I also think. In a way, like I said, I get what you're saying about it being weak in some areas. I think it was a miss in some areas. For one, it was kind of a miss to hone in on, and this is just my opinion, rich Californian kids in the teenage experience. Like, that's the only slice of life we we get in this. And I mean, maybe it's the movie aging itself. Like, it's less than 10 years old, but it's like seven or eight years old now. And it's kind of like, you know, you only get like white, richer kids' stories in this yeah for one and then like you said they're kind of all nepotism babies in real life and and maybe that's like the lens the story's being told through yeah because it is based uh it is based on um james franco's um teenage years yeah and we know he was already in like freaks and geeks by then like he was already kind of acting and right so i i think they do play on that um it won at the international online cinema awards it won Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, no, it was nominated, but it placed in fifth. Hmm. Mm. I will say, so for screenplay, it's like, yeah, I get it. What I think this movie excelled at more than the writing and the acting, though, it is actually like Gia Coppola. And I mean, I guess this is just in their DNA because, you know, being from like a famous directing family. But I will say it's beautifully shot. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And- the shots are beautiful and music is only used like ever so sparingly, which kind of made it feel like really real and almost like awkward at times. But that's mm-hmm. like how being a teenager would feel right. like there are like awkward pauses and silences. So I do think a lot of the direction was like really interesting or just kind of like different. And, and I think the direction was pretty spot on. It's like even if the screenplay left a little to be desired or the stories left a little to be desired. I, I do think the direction was like very spot on. And maybe that's why I was like, oh, I really actually like this. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's what kept me like watching and intrigued more than the story. Even. Yeah. I, I think that was like part of it. It was like uh, that Copeland name. It, 
carries like a lot of weight. And for this to be like your directorial debut, like you got to hit it out the park. And I think she did just that. Mm-hmm. Like to be fair, that's kind of um, you were talking about Euphoria. That's almost kind of how I feel about that show. Like maybe unpopular opinion, but but sometimes I watch it, and, and my husband and I watch it, and I think he really likes it. He's like, man, I'm so invested in the storyline. And sometimes I kind of go, what storyline? I'm just watching yeah. it because it's pretty, and there's labyrinth singing in the background while I, I do drugs. And that's great. <laughs> and I think like once that hype dies down everybody will be able to take off the blindfolds and, like, see for what it is. Because I was, like, watching it from a a technical standpoint. Like, I'm learning how to read film and stuff like that. And, uh, God, when you get past all of the glitter and acid trips and drugs and the star power of Zendaya, it, it really is. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a good show. But you can tell that these actors haven't been doing it for a, a long time. Exactly. And and it's so weird that we keep bringing up Euphoria, because in a way, I feel like movies like this, like Palo Alto, like walked, so shows like Euphoria could like run. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. I, I think it, I think like it does such a disservice um, films like this when they're just made up of nepotism and stuff like that. Like, Don't get me wrong, I like Nat Wolf. Um, I like some of his other indie films, but I mean, it, it, he just doesn't stand out as an actor in this film. Yeah, and he gets like annoying. arguably like one of the most interesting characters, and yet he still doesn't totally like shine. You know? Right? Yeah, I, I expected to see more. Um, I expected to see a lot more of his character fleshed out. Um, granted, obviously. It's very different from writing a long book as opposed to making like a two hour, um, hour and 45 minute film. But I expected to see more. And I I think I was just disappointed by that. I agree. And I think too, like I said, I think this movie sometimes gets like uh, dangerously close to becoming like the James Franco show. You know, yeah. like, even though he didn't direct it, but but it's, like, him writing it, sort of, and, like, him acting in it. It's kind of, like, okay. Right, I yeah, you, like, immediately, like, <laughs> like pointed out. Because, obviously, he did, like, background work, and I'm pretty sure he was on production, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, it it does, like, come to be the James Franco and Emma Roberts show, like, and mm-hmm. it doesn't give enough characters to shine. And... Another thing is, like, as you're trying to digest a scene, you're quickly pushed or forced to the next one. Yep. And I felt like this was moving way too fast-paced. If they were going to do that, then they should have just obviously stuck with, like, the the soccer coach and the underage girl or the, the um, frantic uh, best friend and the car crash and the party and all that stuff exactly it's kind of like pick one storyline kind of stick with it to make that stronger but instead they kind of like strew like two three different stories out and kind of see like where you land and I think they're trying to do that like slice of life like sketches type thing but sometimes that doesn't always translate like especially in movies I think like when you watch a play or like a showcase and they're you're told like oh these are sketches you're like okay like these are kind of unrelated maybe loosely related that's fine but right. with a movie, you definitely want more of, like, a narrative driving, like, one right, storyline. Exactly. And, like, looking at Gina's um, filmography, um, 
I, I think she only ever did like what two films um her last film was 2020 and she's working on the seven faces of jane which is in post-production but since then she worked on um carly ray jepson's music video twice and she worked on blood orange uh music festival uh music video once um but i mean like you said the the music was great and shout out to um Dev Hayes, who's also known as Blood Orange, he did the soundtrack for it, and he does a lot of soundtrack work for a lot of films and television. So shout out to him. Yeah, it's like once again, it's kind of like this whole thing. Like, there's this whole genre of like a teen indie that's like meant for adults to watch, but it reminds you of being a teenager. And one thing they are all really good at, like this movie, Euphoria, some other movies I've seen in the genre, they are very good at curating like soundtrack and like aesthetic. Yes, that's what I will say. The film has like I like I like films like this because of that aesthetic and the um like I still listen to the movie soundtrack when I go to sleep from time to time because um, mm-hmm. it's like that good and it does remind you of like California, although I've never been, but I I definitely get that vivid imagery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. So you did mention that films like this is geared towards like adults, but like captures that, that uh, teenage innocence or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Another film that reminds me of that is Paper Towns, which is also uh, what now Wolf uh, worked in. And that was another film where it was like clinging onto like that teenage innocence while still maintaining that, audience adult composure and stuff like that yeah yeah and i think maybe we should watch that one for next time because i've actually not seen that the only thing i'd seen nat wolf in besides like naked brothers band literally was hereditary which is horrifying oh i've never seen that but um i will say he he does know how to act oh yeah I, i i've seen some other films he he worked in this um there's one other film besides uh, Paper Towns where there was like two guys fighting for one girl or something like that over the weekend. That's also a good film. But yeah, he does know how to act, but I, he just isn't given much here. And I don't blame him because this is based on short stories. And I don't know many films that can like cut up a short story and make it into a full two-hour film like that the only one i can think of period is stand by me which is based on like stephen king's the body the novella that's like yeah a good example because that's like the only one i can think of is literally like stephen king who's like the master of like you know what i mean right exactly (laughs) of writing so i mean that's true because i think i think this was like a feat um i think overall for me like my my like review of it in general is kind of like if you enjoy indie film if you enjoy art house film especially if you like things that are aesthetic and pretty and kind of set a mood more than they tell a story then I think it's it's enjoyable it's worth watching um yeah it wasn't like the best movie I'd ever seen but I do think I enjoyed it and I and I think that's why it's like I think I enjoyed the a mood and kind of bringing you back into that like teenage twilight like of yeah. and you know you're not an adult yet and just kind of everything feels really big and it 
it hit those notes and hit those moods for sure. So what would you rate it? What's your oh, final man. rating? We do out of five stars, right? Yep. I'm going to say like a three out of five. Mm. Um, maybe three and a half out of five if I'm being like generous because it's like I, I it had so much potential but did lack in some areas but it wasn't right. awful so I'm gonna say like three out of five like a little better than like half you know yeah I think that's what I'm gonna score it's probably my lowest one this far um I after reading the book I really did try to like it um mm-hmm it, it just fell a little flat sometimes. Um, it really wasn't fleshed out, well thought out. I mean, it is her debut. Um, I don't know. I expected more from somebody bearing the name Coppola. And, um, <laughs> True, right? I mean, if Sofia Coppola can make Marie Antoinette. And I know? mean, like, look at Nicolas Cage. He does well. So it's like, yep. I don't know. I, I just expected more. Um, I was a little put off by the James Franco character, Mr. B. Um, after all the stuff that happened, I felt that was such a weird choice to portray that character. Yeah. You literally could have got anybody else, but um, you literally could have played anybody else because he's known for playing like in, <laughs> <laughs> he's known for playing in his films and stuff like that, and that's fine. But it's like, one of the yeah, yeah, of all the weird. choices to cast himself, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. So- but yeah, I, I give it a three out of five more so because I listened to the soundtrack and watching it again over the weekend, I think I gave it a I gave it a, the benefit of the doubt because I listened to the soundtrack constantly. So shout out yeah. to Blood Orange. Shout out, Blood Orange. All right, and I think that's it. I think that's all we have time for. Um we're gonna take a look at Paper Towns, um, starring Nat Wolf and What's that girl's name? I've not seen it. She's so a I'm mo- gonna find uh, out. <laughs> she's a model with bushy eyebrows. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, Kara, Kara Delvine. Y- yeah, Kara yeah, Delvine. there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's her. Yeah, so the Kara Delvine, um, them too. It's also based on a book by John Green. So we'll take a look at that. Um, anything before we go, Miranda? No, you guys can uh, follow us on Spotify, listen to us uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Take care, guys.